Welcome, everybody, to the OFD Podcast. I am your host for tonight, Jude Seymour, writer and editor at One Foot Down. Joining me tonight, in absence of our Supreme Warlord, Defender of the Faith, and Site Manager over at One Foot Down, is Brendan McElinden. Uh, Brendan, how are you? Good. Uh, I'm just wondering when Josh is finally going to get his Twitter account back so he can finally come back onto the pod. Free one foot down Twitter account. It's uh, it's a mess a little bit right now. We'll, we'll be happy to talk about that. But before we do, I want to make sure we get our second guest in, um, our good friend of the pod, Greg Flamon from UHND.com. Greg, how are you? Fellas, we're, um, we're undefeated again. <laughs> this is becoming old habit. I mean, I just uh, I feel like we're we're the spoiled generation. It's so. just a, it's just a thing, you know. We, we've got to get through the doldrums of the regular season and get to the to the real stuff, and that's and that's where we're at right now. Yeah, so we have a lot to talk about tonight, including a recap of the Syracuse game. But first, I want to do a little housekeeping. Uh, we're not going to do reviews tonight. We're going to save them for Josh. He's got an off the rails podcast that's coming out uh, Wednesday, or I guess maybe recording Wednesday, possibly. Uh, possibly on Wednesday, possibly Thursday. I wasn't real sure about when he's actually going to release that, but look forward to that. Um, and he will, you know, catch you up on, on all the reviews. So hopefully you're leaving us some good reviews for him to read, uh, again, rate and review us over at Apple podcasts. We really appreciate it. That helps us get, uh, seen by other Notre Dame fans who are looking for podcasts because, uh, you know, Greg doesn't have a podcast home, uh, besides, besides ours, right, Greg? Oh, wait, you have that other one called the <laughs> Untitled USC Notre Dame uh, podcast, Notre Dame USC podcast, which I'm, right. I'm guessing you'll be also taping tonight. Are you doing double duty with Michael tonight? I don't know if we'll do it tonight. We might do it tomorrow. We'll see. Right, because USC's playing, and so you've got to, like, ingest the game or what, whatnot. So. Right, exactly. And judging by the way the, the offense and Amon Ross, hey, Brown, has been playing in this game, he might be a little too lathered up uh, <laughs> <laughs> to be ready to go. Uh, so obviously the big news was uh, Saturday's closing out uh, the regular season in style 45 21 win over um, one in nine now I guess one in ten Syracuse Uh, Syracuse is not a very good team I don't think anyone was was truly expecting this to be much of a game and it wasn't Um, I just like to say Syracuse did cover the spread so I did get that right in the picks pod thank you very much Um, but I also wanted to say that this team has gotten me to the point where, you know, another team can build a a 7-3 lead or something in the second quarter, and I'm just like, I'm not even worried. I'm just, this is, I I don't care about slow starts. I just care about big finishes, and I felt like uh, they had a big finish. What did you think, Brennan? Yeah, I had, I saw a lot of people on the social media, and I was watching this game with my um, in-laws as well, and there was a lot of consternation going on and I'm sitting there cool as a cucumber, not even annoyed because it's not a matter of if Notre Dame was going to win the game. It, at this point, it's about when I know Clark Lee's going to make his adjustments in the second half. I know that the offense is going to get humming like they do every game. They're just kind of a slow starter. Um, they're not a shower. They are a grower. <laughs> they're a grower. <laughs> Greg, I famously said before the uh, on the last podcast that I didn't. Ex- there was nothing about the Syracuse game that would tell me anything about uh, anything future games. And I know that you love this question, so I'm going to give it to you next. What did the Syracuse game tell you about the next game against Clemson? <laughs> uh, it means that it can uh, go forth the way that we all thought it would. Yeah. So I mean, it's like this game. It never reached full pucker. You got to get like my friend Tim. <laughs> 
he texted me and he's like, should, should I be worried? And I was like, you could, you could feel however you want to feel if you want, it's like, you know, however you want to feel. The thing is, is a, it's not a real, it's not like real, real until you get the long drive. Like if they were down seven, three and they got the long drive and then like fumble inside of the 10 that's returned for a touchdown, like then you get kind of like, Oh, this is not cool. And then you get like, all right, I guess it's going to be one of those things, but it never happened. And until it gets to that point, there's nothing really to be super concerned about. Yeah. I mean, I think in some ways it didn't have horses, right? So it wasn't even a, it wasn't even a concern because it wasn't like Syracuse had this dynamic offense. They just didn't have the players that I felt like they could keep it up for four quarters. And, and I also felt that the mistakes uh, or the reason that Nerding was behind was self-inflicted mistakes. I mean, I, I think I, I'd have to go back and look at my notes, but I, I had at least four drop passes, I think, um, you know, balls hitting guys in hands and stuff like that. And the Syracuse guys were playing with a with intensity that they were noticing on the broadcast. But I knew that they couldn't sustain that for four quarters. So I, I thought in, in the end, it's you know, it, we typically see these games. It's the, the team with the better athletes tends to prevail in these. So I wasn't that's I guess another reason why I wasn't worried was it, it felt a little fluky in the beginning. Would that be fair? Yeah, how, how often is uh, Kyle Hamilton going to take a terrible line on a tackle that leads to a touchdown? That's not going to happen all the time. It's just, uh, right, Greg? Yeah, Greg, just... Are you going to see this? I mean, look, Brandon's been throwing slander all <laughs> all year in the in the DM, so I'm just going to ignore it. Like, it <laughs> I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to. No, it, it's like, it is true, though. Like, they didn't score on the first drive because... McKinley dropped the, 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 the suns in his eyes and then they didn't score on the second drive because we threw the ball three yards on third and five, you know, and so we don't get it then. And then we, we, we have a first down on a fourth down, but then, um, you know, mayor runs backwards and then we have them off the field on a third down, but then Clarence Lewis decides like not to cover someone like inexplicably. And it, and it's like, okay, eventually this stuff is just going to get ironed out. Like it's not a big problem. And it's like, it's just really hard. Like you guys said, it's really hard for Syracuse to, to pull an upset like this and upsets like this are really difficult because everything has to happen just so. And if one little thing goes against you, like the um, the roughing the quarterback penalty that extended the drive, and then they ended up going, um, you know, down seven three with three minutes left to up twenty four seven at then uh, at the end of the half, it's like one little thing happens and it all falls apart, and that's just what you're kind of waiting for. It happened against uh, Stanford in the season uh, regular season finale last year. That's Same thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. It reminded me a lot of Stanford uh, and the way that there was a collective freak out and there was a, I think at second quarter, they really started getting going. And then if I recall correctly, either before the half or right into the third quarter was like, we were back to situation normal. It was, it was the, it was almost the same thing that happened the the, the end of the half. They throw the jump ball to Claypool in the left, uh, in the left, on the left side there. And they did the same thing to McKinley. So it was kind of um, uh, symmetrical for Ian Book's career, regular season career, when he became the full-time starter against Wake Forest in 2018. It had a similar fear where feel where the offense kind of sputtered and they made some mistakes, turnovers, um, 
And then they ended up just turning on the Jets and blowing them out and some late garbage touchdowns made it look a little bit closer. But uh, yeah, it, it Ian Book ends his career as the winning as quarterback in a lot of the same way that the weight game was. And I would argue this performance was, I mean, once again for Ian, uh, this one was masterful, right? I mean, this was Ian Book was dealing on Saturday. Yeah. Both with his legs on the touchdown run where he uh, submarines McKinley, um, but then also hitting McKinley. I mean, McKinley was involved directly in four touchdowns. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, there's a couple that he, he's, he's going to want back. Right. I, I, I don't pick, know that yeah. the, I don't know that the transfer, the center issue with the fumble is really, is really on Ian book. I would probably say that's, that's due to, um, you know, a, a new situation there under center, but I remember him, uh, Airmailing one to Mayer, who was open. Uh, it was a little pass on the left hand side. Then obviously the the pick, right? So, um, you know, there's a there's a couple there, but it's hard to it's hard to knock a guy who went 24 for 37 for 285 yards and three touchdowns. I, I this is becoming the the sort of Ian Book stat line du jour, which is like you know shot a smidge under 300, two three touchdowns. Um, you know, 65 sets, you know, 65% completion 50, percentage 60, yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah. 50, 60 yards rushing too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention was, and because I'm always accused of being the pessimist on the, on this podcast or the Debbie Downer, but who thought, uh, Syracuse was going to have two 100 yard rushers. Uh, <laughs> if you could have picked the team before the season, who was going to pull off that feat? Would you have said Syracuse on that? Um, <laughs> You know, obviously giving up an 80 yard touchdown was no bueno. Um, you know, maybe you can it's say what you want team. about. Yeah, you could say second team, the whole deal or whatever. But um, Greg, just as a former DB who watches this stuff a lot, what are your concerns about uh, the secondary right now, especially about communication and about maybe where Tariq Bracey's head is at? Um. Well, it just as far as Tariq, I I feel like he's just he's in a bad way right now. It, it's just like he's not he's not there, and I don't know what's happened. I I don't, I, I don't even have a I, I can't I couldn't even speculate on it. Like he just whatever it is, he's always been the type of player like you know previous to the last let's say four games. Uh, he's always been the type of player where. He, he, he was, he competed for the ball. Even when he got beat, he gave up catches. Like he was always competing for the ball. He was always in the right spot. He was good with the ball in the air. He was good on like jump ball type situations. He was doing it in Georgia and he was doing it against in the bowl game. And he did it mm-hmm. against USC. Like he, he's there and he can make plays and suddenly he's not where he's supposed to be. And he's not doing the thing. I mean, he's getting pulled from games. I think that's the, I think that's the kind of telltale sign like they're taking him out, you know, they're giving up, like they gave him the start of Clemson and they had to pull him. And then they gave him the start of um, North Carolina and then they had to pull him. Yeah. And that's just like, there's something going on with him. I don't know what it is. I hope it gets figured out because he's better than this. He's well, better than I, what he's showing. And this is where that 80 kinda... yarder, that 80 yarder, that was hit. I mean, he whiffed on a tackle on that 80 yard run. That was, uh, I mean, well, it's like he, there's 20. 26 just oof. he falls you know he's just like he's not getting blocked and he falls and then he doesn't really see the play and then he like he doesn't chase it and it's like look he's not going to catch him and he knows that but you can't just not chase everyone's chasing that sure. you got to chase him 
And so he's not, and you could just tell, like, he's just not feeling it. He's not there. Maybe this is an impossible question to answer, ask, but, or answer, but I'll ask it anyway. Is there, what, what can you do to get a kid's head right? And is it possible that he just, this is like, this is like a yips thing for him. Like he just never gets over it. Um, I don't think you can get it ready in the next three games are going to be the three hardest games. Notre Dame has played in maybe, I don't know, since the Alabama 2012, because at the stakes of each game, you're playing Clemson at full strength in a second, in a rematch game, which is going to be harder than the first time you played Clemson this year. And I think it's going to be harder than it was in 2018, even though the staffs or the, you know, the rosters worse than the 2018 one. But you have Brett Venables uh, has a full game tape of his defense playing your your offense. So I don't know. And then Alabama, Ohio State, whoever you play in the playoffs and all these guys, <laughs> you're a corner and you're going to be matched up against some combination of Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields. I, I don't know. You almost got to put him on ice. Yeah, I, I don't. It, it's going to be Clarence Lewis. What you do is you just you just tell him like, look, we're going to go with Clarence, and you know he's he's going to get the call. But you you got to stay ready. You got to stay ready all the time, and you just got to keep him keep him engaged. Keep him just like positive. Like it's okay. We're not giving up on you. We're just going with Clarence right now, and but you're going to have a time that we're going to need you to come through for us. But the majority of the snaps and snaps need to go because you have your team, you know, you have the team. They need to be able to count on the guy just to be doing the right things and be where he's supposed to be, you know, and is mentally ready to go. It's almost like Dante Vaughn, you know, a couple yeah, years ago when he, he, yeah, when he kind of went in the tank a little bit and it's just like, Hey man, you gotta, you gotta stay with us. So, right. I've been a little worried about the tackling, especially in the secondary. I mean, I think maybe the tackling up front has been pretty good in terms of the, the penetration and the wrapping up with the linebackers and the interior alignment. But the secondary, especially, I think Nick Cloud in this game had a had a couple of issues, or perhaps it was Sean Crawford. But I, I just I feel like I've been seeing this a lot. Uh, game, uh, plays that were already big going for much bigger play, much bigger because one guy is missing a tackle and then a, and then a dude's running fifteen another fifteen yards. Anybody else yeah. share that concern? I don't, I don't, I noticed it. I, I don't, I don't see it as a concern. I think okay. the thing that I saw from, from this game, especially, and we saw it on offense too, like tackling is a, is a, uh, it's, it's kind of like a mindset. Like you have to be ready to go. And I, and I completely wasn't surprised that Notre Dame threw the ball much better than they ran the ball because I don't think that Brian Kelly wanted this game to be overly physical. You know, he, he, right. he's already got banged up linemen. He doesn't want to get any other linemen hurt. He doesn't want to use up Kyron. And, you know, he doesn't want, he doesn't want that. So they came out and they threw the ball and it didn't work out so good. And then they had to run it a little bit more. And that's just, you know, the way it goes. And it's hard to balance that. And I think with the secondary too, like with McLeod, I guess he's got a shoulder thing. So it's just like, you know, okay. you, you just want and, – and not just that. I bet you this game would have gone a lot different if next week's game hadn't been canceled because That's you go from – you go from this is one in the string to this is the last one. Right. 
you know, right. and mentally you, you come down from that. It's just like, oh, okay, we don't have to worry about anything. Like we're no longer looking forward to the week after. There's no longer that, you know, so we're not building to anything. And not just that, but they clinched. They clinched the title. So it's like this game doesn't – that we're just it's, – it's a scrimmage. Like literally, it's just a practice for us. It, if we win or lose, nothing changes. So, and I, and I believe I made that analogy in the last podcast, which this is, this was to, for Brian Kelly, like a blue gold game, just don't get anybody hurt. And let's, right. you know, it's, it's not about, it's not about style points. It's not about putting 60 up on Syracuse. It's like, even if it's 21, three, like they won the game and, and absolutely right. The stakes were low and, you know, you can say whatever you want about go off our seniors and do this for Ian and for the records and stuff like that. And I, I think that motivates guys to some extent, but on other extent, they're they're just thinking, look, this is, you know, I'm just trying to keep my body healthy because yeah. I know I got two weeks off after this. Yeah. So, uh, Brendan, Greg opened the door a little bit about something I wanted to talk about, which was um, the amount of Kyron Williams rushes, the 20 rushes in this game. And, you know, obviously he's been dealing, so he's it's been great. But were you still a little surprised to not see Chris Tyree or Sebo Flemister uh, use as much in this game? No, absolutely not. And my reasoning is, is they wanted Kyron Williams to get a thousand yards. Because as soon as he hits, as soon as he hit that thousand yards, they yanked him. And then it became Sebo. And then Tyree, you know, went back seven yards and then 97 forward or 94 <laughs> forward. Which that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, and he was looking back to see if any, it was hilarious on that 94 yard run. He was looking back at like the 10 yard line. It's like, is, is anybody going to catch me? And, <laughs> you know, guys are. You know, pulling up as he's uh, blowing away uh, and they had an angle on him too and they just could not catch him um but no they, they i don't know i was more surprised that they kept ian book in the game more so than kyron especially when ian book on that last drive that he was in there the offensive line that was in front of him um i mean it was it was not the starters so i don't yeah. know why you had your starting quarterback who if he takes a shot and goes out, that's it. Why you have him with the second string line. Um, did we get, have, did we get an explanation after the game about why Brennan Clark did not play? He was in a walking boot, right? It was, it was, was he had, a, or he had a brace on his knee. Yeah. Okay. He was taking third team snaps in the warmup. So right now the depth chart is Drew Pine as the, as the backup then. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Oof. I mean, Drew Pine's got 19, 20 snaps on the entire year. I mean, that that'd be a hell of a spot to put, you know, put a kid in. <laughs> and he I, looks like he he looks like he's about 15 years old. Seen, have we seen it before? Yes. Have we seen it before yeah. with Notre Dame? No. But we've definitely seen it before, right? Yeah. Uh, Tua, um, the guy from Ohio State a couple of years ago, Haskins. Was it Haskins or um, no? It was uh, who's the guy in 2014? I'm blanking. Um, Who Barrett? Oh. Nope. Uh, no, Barrett was the guy who came uh, in for like the last three games. Oh, Cardell like, Jones. Yeah, Cardell. Cardell Jones. Jones. Yeah. 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 I think Cardell was a junior at that point. Yeah, but he, he hadn't was. played. I think, I I think Barrett. Play. No, he had not played. Yeah, right. at all because he was a third string. Um, yeah, but I don't know if a five foot eleven kid <laughs> from New Can New Canaan. <laughs> Connecticut New, or something. New Canaan. New Canaan. Yeah, I'm New not Canaan, looking forward to finding out. Let's put it that way. So. Um, there were a couple series there where it was like, look at, I don't care that Ian's in, but if something happens, it's indefensible. Right. Like you right. cannot Especially like backup lineman. 
He handed it off to uh, Tyree on the long run. Yeah, yep. he did. He was the quarterback for that. Yep. So yeah, and he uh, you know they took a I think it was maybe second quarter took a late hit and I was like and I was like jeez you know and it's like and the game was still very much in doubt like it, it was appropriate for Ian Book right, to be in right. at that point but it was just still March like a ah oh, man if we lose our freaking quarterback on a late hit against Syracuse I'm gonna be beside myself you know so I'll put you guys on the spot do you know how many combined pass attempts Brennan Clark and Drew Pine have on the season? Jude goes first. Oh, um, five. I was going to say four. I was going to say four. They are a combined two for five. (laughs) Well, we are. (laughs) (laughs) Although Greg, I think four is is close enough for, uh, for government work. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think this really underscores the point that we've all been kind of dancing around. Right. Um, I do want to give major props out to Javon McKinley. Like it, it, we don't need to talk about offensive player of the game. Cause I, I think we know it. Right. I mean, like, yeah, first of all, three touchdowns, uh, had his hands on the fourth. Uh, I think Greg said right away that was, a, that was a sun issue. Uh, sun, you know, the, the December Indiana sun got in. You, you always know you gotta, you gotta look out for it, man. You, you gotta look don't. out for that tricky December sun. Yeah. Um, you know, 10, uh, according to the stats sheet here, 10 total targets, uh, he is becoming um, uh, Ian's go-to guy. He's he's uh, like a Chase Claypool, right? For, he has for more one hundred yard games than Chase Claypool. Wow, it, it so seems insane as a statistic. I was looking at the uh, the numbers last night because because I really it, it is to the point where he's at that level. Yeah, and and so I looked back because I was like, I wonder what kind of pace he's on because. There's the first two weeks and then the Florida State game when it was like, oh, maybe Javon can be something. And so I looked at those games, uh, what he's done since Florida State till now. And he's on a 13-game pace. Let me see if I can remember. It's 59 catches and I want to say 900 yards. It's like 898 yards, which is – which – uh, Boykin was 58 for 858 and Chase was 66 for 137. So he's in between those two guys, which I and mean, that's in, in that mix. There was the, the Louisville, was game. The Louisville game. Yeah. The Louisville where, game is included. Yeah. Where he just was one for seven. Yeah. On it. So, I mean, you know, if, if what? we had known, that there was, was a that Miles game, Boykin. It, was that game, that Louisville game, the game of the century? <laughs> you know, Notre Dame's quarterback wait, wait. throws the under team, 20 passes. Winning team had a winning score that ended in a two. The losing team had a winning score that ended in a seven. So, yeah, I mean, I think if, I think it all matches up. I, I think so. that feels right. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. We're, of course, um, you know, dunking on the, the national writers who, who, first of all, don't don't even pretend to watch the Notre Dame games. And, you know, to be honest with you, if they, if they get a pass, Notre Dame Syracuse is probably the one I would pass on, but, um, but we're, we're, we're beside themselves about uh, BYU and coastal Carolina coming to agreement on a game the week of a game, BYU flying 2,200 miles out to, to coastal, which I think is, is in South Carolina, right? Myrtle beach. Yeah. Um, and the best team in South Carolina and, and playing, uh, the only undefeated it, team in South playing Carolina. the game of the century, according to Nicole Arbach, if I if I recall correctly, 
Um, you know, I mean, a, a lot 40, of people. Pat Forty uh, said it was the game of the year. Pat Forty from uh, uh, SI yeah. Maven uh, mirrored that sentiment. <laughs> Look, was it was an entertaining game? Yeah. Were, am I glad that as this college football fan that they were able to put that together? Of course I am. Um, do I think it means anything for 2021 and beyond? Of course not. Like, you know, I, I saw an, an article today, and this is getting off topic, but this is what we do on the OFD podcast. I saw an article today that was basically like, you know, ADs are so stuck up. They'll, they'll, they'll schedule games 12 years in advance, but they can't leave one week free um, to, you know, to schedule a game, like a, a good, like a, a matchup game and do it like the week of or whatever. Like, first of all, yeah. <laughs> Second of all, yeah. um, what exactly is, what exactly does Coastal Carolina get for being BYU? Doesn't get them into the playoff. No. And what did it get? What did it get for BYU? Yeah, it, it hurt. You know what? It, it actually got Coastal Carolina more. I don't understand why BYU scheduled that game. Because they weren't going to catch up to Cincinnati because the, the hope was is they're playing for a New Year's Six Bowl to get that big check, right? And you're not going to catch Cincinnati playing Coastal Carolina because beating Coastal Carolina is no different than Cincinnati beating a ranked AAC team. They're a Sunbelt team. But Coastal Carolina beating a ranked BYU that's top 15 and you get the national you know, game day shows up to town for it. It was everything for Coastal Carolina. They're going to be their head coach is going to um, get a nice job offer this uh, this offseason. But right. But where's where's Coastal Carolina going to play its bowl this year? Oh, probably. I don't know. Boca Raton Bowl or something. I don't know wherever yeah, the Sun Belt goes. And that and that's the thing is like this idea that AC AD should keep a week open to play these marquee matchup games or whatever. And first of all, nobody wants to be left without a dance partner. So 80s are risk averse for a reason. And so I, I hate to see this musical chairs where Notre Dame was like, oh, yeah, we'll keep a week open. And then all of a sudden they don't have a dance partner. Right. Well, maybe that wouldn't happen to Notre Dame, but I, it would it would certainly happen to a lot of schools. Right. Where it's like, well, we're just not going to do that. I, I just right. I, I didn't get the like. Like, OK, you, you want every team to just leave a week open and then just schedule game. like I. To me, it was like, I don't know. It was a cool thing that happened this year. And it because happened it was because, a of, because yeah. of this year. Like, it's unique to 2020. And I, I, I just, like, it was cool. What it clearly was, was it had nothing to do with Coastal and had everything to do with BYU. The, everybody wanted BYU to have that quote-unquote data point to show, like, hey, you know, you say they haven't played anybody. Well, now they're going to play ranked Coastal Carolina. <laughs> Which, what? First of a all, baseball like, school. What? What are you talking about? And second of all, they had to retcon the whole thing because they went and got beat. And not only did they go and get beat, but they didn't even do it. Like their whole thing was like they play incredible offense. They're unstoppable offense. Put up 17 points. Like I understand that coastal, like they control the ball and all that stuff with their five foot nine center. Yeah, but like you know. You scored 17 points. Like you lost. You play. You played one ranked team, and and they got beat. And and they've been talking about BYU putting BYU in the um in the playoff this whole time. They've been trying. They've been pushing for this BYU put them in the playoff. And it's like they haven't yeah. played anybody. It's like oh, it doesn't matter how you play, or it doesn't matter who you play. It's how you play. Well, apparently it does matter who you play. And and everybody, they were giving the committee so much slack. 
Well, that's the thing is, you know who the big winner on Saturday night was? It's the, the playoff committee. committee. Yeah, because now they don't have to hear any BYU noise because they're like, it's well, like, that situation took care of itself nicely. Exactly. And they ranked them exactly where they should have been ranked. I mean, it's just it's amazing because I feel like the national media uh, was saying, you know, BYU, you know, you you uh, you put yourself out there. You got to you got to take any game that comes to you or whatever. They raked them over the coals about the Washington thing. And I felt like BYU was now like. They were chasing a they were chasing a bad bet, and so now they were just like on tilt, and so then they shoved in with Coastal Carolina when it didn't even make sense to go twenty two hundred miles. Like they literally had to leave their equipment truck like this the, an hour after they got the agreement filed because they had to go from Provo to uh, Myrtle Beach. You know what I mean? Like that's a hell of a trip. So I, I, don't, I don't know. know. Just, it, it it just it, it feels like BYU got uh uh exposed and now that's one last thing to worry about and it's it's almost brings you back to the whole like ucf beating auburn and saying well we could have beaten anybody that year and it's just like okay yeah all right you know it's just like did us the favor last year with that one right exactly and so and you know the committee always gets bailed out because that's how college football is frauds always are going to get exposed and people get typically we got 12 games to do it Right. And that's yeah. that's been well, the other problem was is we're getting this the situation now where people are falling in love with Ohio State and USC. And we're just saying this is all well and good. But but let's not forget, Notre Dame didn't have to play USC this year, but USC didn't have to play Notre Dame this year. Like, that's a big that's a big deal. Would you agree, yeah. Greg? Of course. It's, yeah. the, it's the same thing. Like like USC is not going to beat a ranked team this year because they're not going to play a ranked team. They have six Colorado? games, none against, none against ranked teams. Who's Colorado beat? Nobody, but they'll go – maybe they can go undefeated in the north, and they'll be kings of the north, and then they'll, the they'll be ranked like – are they in the south? Yes. Oh, then, then, then no, they will, they will play. The reason, <laughs> the reason they're not playing USC is because the USC had to cancel the game because COVID. Yeah, USC just, has five regular season games. Like, I, like it just it it just doesn't. I, I'm sorry, but you have to play the games. Like like everyone's like, but you know, but then USC is not going to have a chance, or Ohio State's not going to have a chance. And it's yeah, yeah, boo freaking who, right? That's right. That's <laughs> the problem. That was the whole problem. And they could have gotten bailed out. Unfortunately, Michigan stinks and Michigan State stinks and everyone knows that. So you get no credit. That's the way it goes. I'm sorry that they suck, but they do. I do not Rutgers suck. In Nebraska. Exactly. Exactly. I'm sorry. What do you want? Your conference stinks. I am a regular listener to the uh, Untitled uh, Notre Dame USC podcast. And one of the, uh, the things that was advanced by Greg, I think in the last podcast was this idea that the big 10 and the PAC 12 should just keep playing. Um, Greg, you want to expand on that thought a little bit and just tell us what your, your thought process was on that? Well, it was very half baked. Like I literally, <laughs> I literally thought of it. There's probably like a hundred reasons why it can't happen, but like, I literally thought of it on the spot, but basically I was like, look, if your conference gets shut out, then keep playing. Just play 10, play each other. 
and have send everybody to the West Coast. It'll be too cold in uh in uh, the Midwest or whatever. And look, and and plan it around freaking the weather. Apparently, we can plan games on three games notice, right? And it's the greatest <laughs> thing that ever happened. So just plan around the weather. Just say, hey, it's supposed to be nice here. Let's send USC to Ohio State. And then let's send UCLA to, uh, I don't know, Michigan State or something. And then and then you do it the other way, too. And so then you could send Michigan to, uh, I don't know, who, who's another, like, two-win team? You could send Michigan. <laughs> you could send Stanford, I'll tell you, you that could, one. Yeah, you could send Michigan to, like, Oregon State. And then that could be, like, a whole fun, fun thing. Um, and so then, you know, Washington and all that. And then you could just – so then you get your games. It's like we didn't get to play in the playoff or whatever, but we, at least we get our games. That would you be the only way a non-Ohio State team – could win the Big Ten because the entire Ohio State Buckeyes roster <laughs> Which will be declaring playing. for the NFL. <laughs> that that well, that's the that's obviously the the negative, right? <laughs> but like, but then, but then, a quarterback, but then Ohio State, Ohio State could just opt out anyway. I was going to say, say won't be a Ohio State just played down twenty three players and did quite fine against Michigan State, right? So, you know. How many how many uh, legit talents do they need? Maybe they could play their uh, whole second string or whatever. I mean, let's 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 be real. They're not keeping Ohio State out of the playoff. No. So no, probably not. I think I think we've talked about this um, maybe internally, but and we've talked about a little bit on the last podcast. But I am a firm believer of the Barry Alvarez scenario, which I like to call it now, uh, that the Big Ten will will change whatever rule it needs to change to make. Uh, Ohio State eligible for the Big Ten championship. They will then romp whoever Patsy uh, gets put against them. Northwestern. And, then, and they will try their darndest to to lobby for what would it be seven games at that point. Uh, a seven uh, and they're season. No, they, playing, they're probably not playing Michigan this week. Oh, Michigan's that's just completely crushed with COVID. They have. They'll uh, play, they'll play some other team. Yeah, I think they're. Yeah, try they're, to get a game. I think I think they're going to try and get the 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 three rumors I've heard. Um, is that they're going to try and get them matched up with another Big Ten team and try and get them to the threshold. But if they don't, then they're just going to let them in. And then they'll they'll, play, they'll play a doubleheader on the day. <laughs> <laughs> they'll have the varsity and then the JV squad. Yes, they will, they, will play, the roster. they will play in the morning and then they will play in the afternoon. They will. Well, here's the problem, though, is I don't think that they can do that because the – 20 some odd players they have out are going to remain out for 21 days. So yeah. the players that they have out, I'm not sure if, yeah, it, it's going to well, be touch and go with some of their Brandon, guys who are even going to be right. But Brendan, your, your problem is you start thinking about the existing framework oh, and not the framework that will exist to make Ohio state get in into the, into the playoff. Right. And so yeah, all of a sudden I, that 21 days, like, look, the CDC just dropped its own guidelines from from a 10 day quarantine to a seven day quarantine. So therefore, we can drop this from 21 days to 10 days. You know, it's like they'll make anything happen that they need to make yeah. happen. Like they'll make it. Uh, I'm fully convinced of it. Look, I read uh, we've talked about this too much. College the, football writer today say that uh, they'll even go so far as to rig the football games with officials. <laughs> I read a Pat Forty article today where he said that the ACC and Big Ten title games. Uh, the officials, uh, the the fix is in. This is a major uh, conspiracy theory uh, being peddled by. I mean, so, this is like some presidential election stuff. 
Yeah. It's infected our I mean, sports media. Look, even if, we took this at, even if we took this at face value, who are the ACC officials throwing the game for? Their current member, Clemson, or the member they would most love to have, Notre Dame? I would make arguments that, for money's sake, the money would be for both of them. But if you're the ACC, um, Dabo's behavior in recent months has been pretty deplorable. Um so I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe you try right. and woo Notre Dame. So there's there's a couple of theories, right? And I think Brendan, you you espouse this one, and maybe in our in our group chat or whatever, which is um, two ACC teams with one loss each, and cl- especially with close losses to each other, um, are probably more uh, attractive in terms of getting both of them in into the playoff. And obviously that means bigger money for the for the ACC. So throw the game towards Clemson, right? But then I I threw out I just threw out the the theory about. Um, you know, you want to, you want to make good for, put a shine to Notre Dame and see if this can get them over the hump in terms of, you know, extending their loyalty, at least for another year. So you throw the game to Notre Dame, but then there's the third theory, which kind of goes back to the first theory, which is like, this is the Vince McMahon, Brett, the Hitman heart sort of thing, which is like Vince knows that Brett's going to leave for WCW in the morning. So there's no way he's going to let him leave with the title. So it's just a Montreal screw job. Right. Yeah. So I think Pat 40 is. Uh, living on a different planet because we don't play by WWE rules here or WWF rules as they were at the time um, where things are actually, you know, planned out in advance. Uh, I'd like to believe in a system that's not that corrupt. And so I'm going to continue to believe in that system. So I I think that, look, I, I don't know. I always feel like with the exception, very few exceptions. I always feel like you can't be like, Oh, the officials screwed us. We should have won this game except for the officials or whatever. Like, Hey, 2014 to FSU, you want to have at it? Like, let's do it. You know what I mean? But like, um, you know, most of the times it's your team that could have made three or four different plays that didn't. And then one bad ref call goes against them. And all of a sudden the refs are the reason they lost the game. Right. Well, part, Bless of, you. part of 20, sorry, part of 2014 <laughs> was uh, gamesmanship on the part of Jimbo Fisher, because the only reason they called that penalty is because Jimbo Fisher spent pregame. During game, halftime, pointing out that exact play. Right. So maybe if uh, enough people, maybe Pat Forty did us a favor. Enough people are talking about uh, this, this potentially being something to look forward. Maybe even if it's subconsciously, maybe Notre Dame gets a call. I mean, let's let's just take it. Let's <laughs> let's pull the crazy pill. How how many? What's the fewest number of people you can involve in this conspiracy? Like, would you need more than one ref? Oh. Would you meet uh, be more than the head ref? You could get away with a line judge, right? Well, let's let's put it this way: when the when the line judge comes up with something that's clearly like not right, why doesn't the other four guys just say, uh, "Jim, uh, I don't think that's right," right, and just overrule him? Well, it, it's not like it's not that things are not right. It's just <laughs> it. If I'm just gonna indulge in the fact that this, <laughs> yeah, is let's adults, let's just live in a crazy train, <laughs> but like crazy cold. You, you don't have to. It's just like any little thing that you see against, let's say Notre Dame, you'll call, and then you call holding on every play, right? Yeah, and then Isn't you just the let, and then yeah, and then you let them play on the other side. That's all. Okay. It's not. It's not even like. It's it's it wouldn't even it's like not even like a super conspiracy. It's just like a B. I mean, how many just how many times do you do that without without drawing suspicion? Do you think though? 
Uh, look at the 2018 or 2019 Notre Dame football uh, ACC officiating the amount of holds that were being applied to Notre Dame D linemen. Well, let, every game. <laughs> let, let me know. let me just ask you this: What is more suspicious than a flag being thrown, than the opposing coach screaming at the refs, and then <laughs> they pick, it up, pick it up, and then they pick it up? <laughs> Nothing is more suspicious. the most suspicious thing you could ever get. That is so. I mean, look. The the premise that the ACC refs are good enough to <laughs> execute some kind of Hygiene. I reject the premise. I reject the premise offhand. These people. Those those sort of (laughs) things are great for an an oceans movie. Uh, I mean conspiracies on this level. Or a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial, right? Or a Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. (laughs) Someone who purports to be a serious person wrote this and put it on the internet. Yes. Come on. He was probably he the probably bourbon was watched, flowing in Kentucky, watching. so. <laughs> yeah. He probably yeah. saw sprinkler system kick on mid-game, uh, you yeah. know, against Clemson and was like, hey, that's like the Buffalo Wild Wings commercial. Which, by the way, did you guys watch the clemson Vodtech game? Yes. I did In not. the second half, in the second half of that football game, uh-huh. for a solid, dr- an entire drive, maybe maybe it was two drives, Ian Book was on half of the television screen having a live interview with Chris Fowler <laughs> while the football game was progressing. So imagine you're a Clemson fan and you're watching this football game against uh, Virginia Tech. And there's Ian Book having a live interview with Kirk Herbstreet and Chris Fowler during your football. How irate would you be if it like the, the roles were reversed? We were watching the Q's game and Trevor Lawrence is just on our TV screen chatting it up with Tariko and Dungey. Uh, what's the score of the game at this point? It was a blowout at this point. It, no, no, no. Okay. No, it was 17-10. It was 17-10? Really? I thought it, it I was thought either 17-10 or 24-10. Either way. Oof. Oh, it, I it would was, be it beside was, myself. It was in doubt, yeah. I would be beside myself. I was yeah. tickled by the whole thing. A, I can't believe Notre Dame cleared it. I can't yeah, believe Notre Well, why would – why what, what for? What do you – what do you – what are you uh, going to get out of Ian Book that the, the the viewer is like, you know what? I'm glad that happened. Like, I actually learned something. <laughs> Nothing. Like, he's he's giving, like, boilerplate answers to everything, as he should. Well, yeah. But the thing is, Ian Book has never been interesting in his interviews. Like, I, I, I just – except when he was – before he started school, he told Mike Varell that a hot dog was a sandwich. And that was like <laughs> – <laughs> that was that was the best thing I've heard out of Ian Book in, in five years. You know? Spice, so, yeah. And, uh, but then, uh, so I was like, I can't believe Notre Dame cleared him to do this, but whatever. And then, but I was just tickled by like Clemson getting so mad about it. I was like, ah, oh, Notre Dame talk, is back because they hate us. Talk about people getting big mad. The ACC announced the championship matchup between Clemson and Notre Dame on their Twitter feed. And all of a sudden, all the Miami Hurricanes fans were like, thank you, ACC, for screwing us. And then as their proof of evidence of why they deserved it more than Notre Dame, they beat Notre Dame 41 to 8 in 2017. Like, yeah, that was, a, that was I a thing that they were very excited about. I don't think about. that's how it works. <laughs> I, 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 it, Brennan sent that and I was like, what are they mad about? 
Like, I don't... What? And I was like, I was like did, about did I miss the... Thing? I thought they played Clemson this year and got rocked, didn't they? Yeah. They, they lost 42-17. to 17. I believe it was 42-17. to 17. So, what are they arguing about? Are they say, are they honestly saying that if they played Notre Dame, they would have beaten Notre Dame, and then what? Right. I, I don't... I don't understand. It's like, well, you played Clemson just like we did. Like, I don't. What are we talking about? Silly. Um, so you you want another chance to get, to get rocked by Clemson by twenty eight points? Like, <laughs> I, I, just, I, I don't get it. Yeah. I, I that one that one was amusing to me. I like I, I I checked back a couple times during the day because it was just hurricane people just jumping in the mentions, being like. Giving middle fingers. Everybody had a gif of middle fingers being given. It was just like, or screenshots of middle fingers. It was just, it was a lot of middle fingers. It was, it was weird. So. They were, they're know. just very upset that Notre Dame has been in the ACC one year <laughs> and they played in as many ACC title games as Miami has in the entirety <laughs> that they've been there. I would like uh, to point out that we are the one seed. In the yeah, ACC we're going to be wearing blue ship game. We will be wearing yeah. blues. Clemson we will are, not get the opportunity to wear their all orange. We by the wear way. the. We are the one. We are the undefeated conference uh, representative. Yeah. Thank you yeah. very much. Thank you. Clemson, I believe Clemson has their thing where they wear the orange pants. They wear the the orange unis with the orange pants. They go all all orange. It's a Dabo Sweeney initiative when they're playing for some sort of championship, whether it's a they conference have championship pants. Yes. They don't get so to like wear Tiger Woods wearing red on, on Sundays, right? It's, it's exactly that. Right. But Notre Dame has defeated that because they're going <laughs> to be wearing road whites, so they can't they can't bust it out in the game. And I I can't be they, more uh, more pleased. I mean, they could do color versus color. I mean, USC and UCLA do it every single year, but they'd have to get probably permission, right? Yeah, mm, I think so. not granted. <laughs> that's good no, yeah I, be, I believe uh, Notre Dame would have to sign off on I it. mean <laughs> I remember the first year they had that that USC UCLA thing um the the road team whoever it was had a pe- uh, a timeout penalized so they only had two timeouts am I, am I making this up I think I remember that being the case the first time that they did it I know that you can lose a timeout for wearing the wrong uniform so that that would scan, but I don't know that it happened in the UCLA USC thing. So that's cool though. I, I love that game. I love, I love the, the highlighter battle between Oregon and Oregon state. Um, you know, we see a couple of these every single year, so it's always, it's always a good time color versus color. But anyways, Greg, I had said in the last podcast, I believe, or maybe two podcasts ago that, um, Notre Dame doesn't come in anywhere in the same state of mind that they came in that 2018 cotton bowl game, which is, I think that they could they had they could have been intimidated by uh, Clemson this time. They played them on the field. They won head to head. I can't imagine that they're going to see this game as fundamentally different than the la- than the last game that they played. Um, albeit, you know, some of the different personnel and obviously at a different site. Do you think that Notre Dame comes in with a swagger about this game that says, "Look, you know, we're gonna we're gonna win, and if we don't win, we're definitely not going to run off this field." Um, absolutely. It's different. Look, you mess around and you let a team feel that love and feeling and <laughs> they, they start to believe it and not, not only believe it. It's like, they just know it. Then there's a, there's a clear difference. We've been talking about 
how many times have we had this awful discussion? God, I hated having this discussion because it was such a loser conversation where it was like, oh, this team, the, you know, they absolutely believe they are going to win this game. We, <laughs> we, you know, this team, the previous team thought they could win. But this team, they believe they could win, and then, <laughs> and, then and then they lost. And it's okay. Yeah. Well, you believed it, but then you got beat again. Well, this time, this team actually, they did the dang thing. They did the thing. They felt that love and feeling. It's completely different. And I would like it would. It is my wish that I I would like the fans to kind of feel that way as well, because and even me, right? Like I catch myself thinking about like scenarios where it's like well how does Notre Dame make the playoff even with the loss it's like hey how about we just kind of say like I know Clemson is good and all that stuff but you know what else is good the University of Notre Dame <laughs> they're good and they're they've been good. good and they've been doing pretty it good I think for them I honestly like it's just it's different they, they have a different belief in it it's just like we already beat them we're not we don't we don't care about the Trevor Lawrence thing. It's not like he's not good and it's not like it doesn't make a difference. It obviously does, right? And there's one it's one thing to be like clear-headed about hey, this is going to be like we got to play great. We can't play it's not like we can come in here and just like, you know, show our golden helmets and they're going to pucker. Like they're obviously not going to. <laughs> And but I think for Notre Dame, there's just like a like you could just look at it the other way. It's like. No, we don't have a tough they have a tough matchup. Because they're playing our team. We haven't lost. They lost to us. So they have a tough matchup. They've got to come to our level. So I, I think it's different. Yeah, just I get the sense that. And, and, and to the extent that any of the chatter about, well, you won on a technicality, Trevor Lawrence couldn't play, or these defensive players weren't available or whatever, um, you know, first of all, I don't think they think that because I think that DJ Ungalele played amazing. But I right. also think that they think that they can beat them with Trevor Lawrence. Like, they're probably they're probably champing at the bit saying, yeah, give us full power. Like, we honestly believe we can beat this team at full, at the, at full staff. You know, so yeah, and like the like the the DJ thing, like that's like you said it. It doesn't that doesn't matter. The players don't feel that. It, that's just for Twitter. That's Twitter, yeah. Like the Twitter, the Twitter, like the the DJ versus Trevor thing. Like, oh, it's different. Okay, but the players know they were out there. You can't say you can't say that 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 Clemson feels any better about it. They don't because they walked off the field beaten. And Notre Dame walked off the field not walking because the fans stormed it. But you see what I'm saying? They basically crowd surfed off the field. They crowd surfed off the field is what happened. So I don't think I told you guys I got interviewed. I don't know if it was an interview. It was a student from England who asked me like an email. He would did an email (laughs) interview about the um, about the covid concerns after the Clemson game or whatever. And at that point. We had figured out like that there was just like it was two. I think it was two weeks after the the field storming. So, you know, week before Thanksgiving, basically. And he kept saying like, well, do you think there'd be a, 
uh, first of all, he called that a pitch, which I always thought was hilarious, right? He said, like, when they stormed the pitch, and it's like, oh, well, you know, here in America, we call it a field, but okay, keep going. Um, and he kept saying, like, well, there should there be a fine or whatever. And so I actually went down this rabbit hole of trying to figure out which people would find, would it be the NCAA that did fines? And I noticed that it seemed like they were leaving it up to the conferences. And I couldn't find an instance of the ACC finding anybody for anything, mask adherence or, you know. Could you imagine the ACC finding Notre Dame in their inaugural season? I mean, for storming the field after beating number one Clemson. I no, not for field storming, but I did see that the SEC had fined three of their teams for for mass discipline, like mass, basically yeah. a lot of coaches being a little lackadaisical. And and as a side, I think since Notre Dame has gotten those those weirdo mesh uh, things, their mask compliance has been so much better than it was when they had the Under Armour ones that were like. Um, they were the solid material or whatever. I think that those are still Under Armour because um, I saw uh, the Auburn Auburn staff was wearing them. And I think I saw Pat Fitzgerald wearing them as well. OK, so good. Good on Under Armour for coming up with a solution that actually makes sense to people who are trying to talk through microphones. Uh, you know, what's <laughs> weird is um, <laughs> I I'm I'm oddly mesmerized by those those masks. I yeah, look I'm at like, them and I'm like, that's such a great mask. Like, and obviously like now it's so funny how like something has entered, like something you evaluate, you know, how you look at someone and you, uh, like before you, you just kind of like, you're prejudging them. You don't even know how you're doing it, but like, you're just, or that you're doing it. Like you see them and you're sizing them up. I size people up now by the quality of what mask they're wearing. I yeah, just, me too. And, and, and like, you look at them, I'm like, man, that mask is just fantastic. I'm just so what impressed. opportunity lost though. If you think about it from the perspective of if you're Under Armour, what an opportunity lost because they put Brian Kelly in these polo shirts and in, you know, the the puffy jackets and all kinds of sideline apparel and they make him wear it. And he he, he does his due diligence and he, he wears his well, Under he gets Armour. compensated for it. So, yeah, right. Right. And, and people probably watch the game and they're like, oh, yeah, that looks sharp. I want to buy one myself. I don't understand why none of these apparel outfitters, be it Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, uh, Russell Athletic. Uh, no, I don't think they're in the game anymore. I think Aero Pastel. Uh, <laughs> Aero Pastel. Um, I think none of them come up with like a sexy logo mask where the mask had like a badass shamrock ND on the front that everybody who's watching. Because how many masks do you boys own? Own? Like personally, um, uh, several. Yeah, I mean, I got, I, like, I got like one or two favorites, but I, I do. T- I I don't. I own a. There's there's masks everywhere now. There's masks in yeah, there's got, masks in I a bin two. right right near my door. There's there's in my in the center console of my car. There's at work. I've got them everywhere. What a lost opportunity that none of these apparel companies were able to come up with during the season, some sort of branded, iconic face mask for a head coach like if brian kelly had like a, a really cool uh interlocking nd mask mm. on it and then he wore that during the season and people who are watching are like yeah i gotta get myself one of those they never did that and it uh it kind of seems like an opportunity lost for him. i bet you the bookstore would sell you 10 different varieties oh. of interlocking nd or shamrocks or you go Irish on or... The, the bookstore and they all look shitty well that's the bookstore for you though right I yeah. Think. They uh, only get what, what 
what armor gives them, but yeah. Greg, like Greg we those. always ha- we always have a, a fun um, laugh about uh, trying to predict the pl- offensive and defensive player of the game. As I alluded to earlier, I think Javon McKinley is the is the winner of the offensive player of the game. So congratulations to you all who's not here, but uh, we will give him the the point on that one. Uh, defensive player of the game. Who do you feel like uh, was the standout on defense? Um, standout on defense. I guess Wu. He was doing some stuff. He forced a fumble. He had a couple pass breakups. I think Wu. I mean, either Wu or Drew White. Because Drew White was, uh, he was messing up stuff. He he was all over the place. And what do you think about Clarence Lewis's 12 12 total tackles, 10 10 of which were solo? I mean, does that... (laughs) Man. Is that an honorable mention? That's that's a lot of five-yard outs. (laughs) <laughs> one pass broken up, one forced fumble on for Clarence. So did Jeremiah Usu, according to the stat sheet. Oh the, yes, it, he did. He that yeah. was the fourth down he gave up. That's right. He he they converted it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wu hit Chris Elmore, who it would the fact that we haven't brought him up is something that I don't think Josh would have stood for. He's an offensive lineman slash fullback. Uh, he's a chonky boy. <laughs> that number five, he was a big boy, uh, but Wu hit him. <laughs> just the right, it was it was Wu that hit him, yeah. Uh, and he stood him up, and Wu fell, <laughs> which you don't see very much. But he knocked him out of bounds, which I don't think anybody, if Chris Elmore, I don't think he's ever took it, taken a hit like that <laughs> this entire season. Speaking of taking hits, uh, you think Matt Salerno is woken up from getting his bell rung on the uh, oh my god punt return? That was he posted he he posted on Twitter like he he had no no concussion or anything. That's great. That's great like to hear because flying out the he, white. Well, that's that was the thing. I, I watched that replay probably three or four times trying to discern whether that was something from the Syracuse player's helmet or something of uh, the the face guard or something that was coming off there because because I, I think. Jess Matana on, on Twitter said something like, oh, yeah, it's a real hit when the gold paint flex come off. I was like, that ain't gold. That's that's a chunk. Yeah, of it didn't hit. I don't know what that was. Because we've seen I'm the just... uh, the golden shower, as it was <laughs> sadly named one time. Uh, I think it was the Hawaii Bowl, if I recall correctly. Right. Yeah. The golden yeah. shower comment. But man, it, um, he, that was a rocking. Up, he got up after that hit and they probably asked him, are you good? And he goes, yeah, I'm good, man. I was like, you are John Goodman. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I mean, and then they let Lawrence Keyes go back there. And I think, Greg, you made a comment about this, which is if you're Lawrence Keyes, aren't you kind of getting a little miffed about them trying so hard to make Brandon Lindsay a thing uh, without trying to make Lawrence Keyes a thing? It is weird to me that they don't – less so Lindsay, but like Keyes, he never gets any run. That's another one. I don't understand that. Like less so than than Bracy. Like he's well, I don't what has he not done correctly? Like maybe he's not good at fielding punts, but like does that mean he can't play the slot? He was like concussed for a hot minute and he No, lost. he was. And and it's a and it's a good like it's a good um it's a good illustration of like when you when you lose time in the middle of the year and you're away from the team, like the team grows. It's like, I, like, I, I think, I don't know if it was this pod or our pod where I talked about the, the team is like the Peloton <laughs> and in the team, like the Peloton, they'll just keep going. 
And if you're hurt and you're away, like they're not going to wait for you. They're going to grow. Um, you know, they're going to, they're going to grow beyond and they're just going to keep going. It's like, you got to catch up, but it's hard to catch up. And sometimes you can't. And like, when you're out, like, look at Lindsay, right? How does he crack the lineup? He's not passing Benny's go. How does he pass these guys now? You know, how does he get in the game in a key moment when Skoranek and, and McKinley have made so many plays now? You know, they've they've been doing it in these key moments. It's like they're proven and it's like they've they've earned it. They've earned those reps. Like, how do you crack that that code? And the, and the thing that I didn't get was like they were giving him like jet sweeps and all these other things. And, you know, quick, quick screens. It's like, why don't you do that stuff to Tyree, who's yeah. been out there and we know he's healthy. He's been doing it all year. Like, give it to him. Like. Because Lindsay is like his thing is, is um, you know the the deep speed guy. So that's what you don't have right now. It's just like that long, like like throw over the top thing. And well, what do you do with Javon McKinley? No, but I'm talking about like Navy. So <laughs> right, like like right. the like Javon cat like he'll catch it, but the guy's right there. I'm talking about right. like I catch it and I'm running You're past. You're gone. Everybody. You're right. Right. Yeah. And. And we also saw him like he ran a deep out again. Lindsay did. Yep. And the DB was there driving on it. Like they're not, they're not afraid of him running by them. And that's kind of what I'm like worried about with him. Is that's why I'm, that's why I've like Brendan and I have gone back and forth on on DM about the Lindsay situation. It's like that's why I want them to just wait, like shut him down, let him get as good as he can get. Because if you don't have that thing where they're afraid of you, then because we saw them driving on the out against Louisville. And now we see it again in this game with freaking Syracuse, like Syracuse isn't afraid of getting run by. No, they got three freshmen back there. Yeah. So like if they're not afraid, then you got to make sure he's right. Right. And Greg, just for our listeners, I I don't know that we've, we've, um, we've talked about this with them. Um, you actually had a hamstring uh, injury during your college collegiate career that actually ended up dogging you real hard. Right. And so you, you sort of come at this from a, from a place of experience of, of saying not all hamstring injuries are the, are the same. And, and the hamstring is different than what even Kevin Austin's going through with a foot injury. I think you made that comparison before. So, yeah. So I said it on our pod and I don't, I I don't know a lot about cars, so this might not be correct, but just like, (laughs) think about, Think about like Kevin Austin with the foot. If Kevin Austin comes back too soon or whatever, or it's like he has this thing with his foot, it's like it's always going to be a problem. He could break at any moment. But in the meantime, he's still Kevin Austin. You still have your guy. So it's like if you have a Ferrari and there's something wrong with like the, the frame of it or whatever, and it's like, oh, it broke. You know, we got to get this fixed. And it's like, you can drive it as fast as you want. It doesn't really matter. But it's like, it's one of these things where it could break again. You're going to have to come fix it every single time. But in the meantime, just drive the Ferrari however you you would before. It's like, oh, okay, fine. With Kevin Austin in his foot, he's still Kevin Austin. He's always going to be able to do what Kevin Austin can do. With Lindsay, it's the hamstring is like a tire. You can't replace the tire. You can only fix the tire. And if you are... You nick the tire one time, it's like, okay, no big deal. 
you nick the tire a second time, they're going to say like, well, you got to be a little bit careful now and make sure the tire is really ready to go. Because if you rip it again, you may not be able to drive fast anymore with your Ferrari. You don't have a fast Ferrari anymore. You just have a nice looking car. <laughs> and, and so with the hamstring, that's the problem. And that's what happened with me. It got to the point where I injured the hamstring so many times, it just it doesn't fire the same way anymore. And then you're not that guy. Like I had to quit track and go back and play football because it's like I can't sprint. I'm not a sprinter anymore. Like that's not my thing. You can't you can't be a 100 meter guy with a bad hammy. But I can play safety and kind of just like, you know, I can work around it. But I don't want Braden Lindsay to have to work around it. I want him to be the Ferrari. I just I think it's hard to tell a kid who probably so desperately wants to play that you're shutting him down for his own what you consider to be his own best interest. When the finish line is is at the site, because they they couldn't tell me then if he hurts his hamstring again, the way metal technology is, it wouldn't impact whether or not he's ready to go next year. Well, yeah, but there's a difference well, between being I, able to play. So like, what if he's not, and like, then what being, if he's yeah, not a, being 85% of what you were, I think what that's if what Greg's not, saying. He's like, what you're, if he you're can, doing irreparable damage here, right? Like, What if he can't be a four, four guy anymore? What if it's only like a four, five guy or a four, six guy? It's like, he can play, but he's just a different player. He's just not, he's not afraid. Yeah. He's not a Ferrari. He's, he's a, you know, whatever. He's something else. I think, I think the way that from my understanding is the way that hamstring medical technology has advanced. Like it used to be, if you got a, a, a knee, right. If you blew out your ACL, that's it, right. You, you're, you're done. You're, you're NFL career. Um, you can't ever recover from that. And, but now, you know, you blow out a knee and you're Adrian Peterson and your best season ever is the next year. You know, with the advances that Dr. James Andrews and the way that they they have medical technology has advanced since then. But I don't know, man. Well, I mean, Dr. Brian Radigan has done a, a couple of good surgeries, I'm sure. But, uh, I, you know, I, I sort of see where Greg is coming from here, too, which is I'm just I want him to be what he what we've all wanted him to be. And, and I think that you guys had this this kind of argument, which is. If he never lives up to it, was he ever or maybe it was about Kevin Austin, which was yeah, like if he <laughs> if he never shows it to you, like, how can you be so sure it's there? Right. Right. So it, the, the, um, what I the, how I would handle it and maybe this is what they're doing. I don't know. But how I would handle it is I, they have the GPS thing. Right. Yes. The proof is in the pudding. So you I would tell him we are not going to put you in a game until at practice. You are running this many miles or, you know, this much distance as you, you have because they have all the logs, right? They know what it looks like when he's healthy. You have run you've run this fast in practice for this many days and you have run this much. And when you get that, then you do it another week and then we will know that you're ready because the player I've I, I've gone out there a bunch of times and been like, I'm OK to go. But in my mind, I know I am not ready to fire my my legs right now. I am not ready to to hit the fifth gear. And and it's like you can't I can say like, no, I'm okay, like I'm good. But if it doesn't show up on the GPS, like, well, you're not running as fast as you had been. So I don't think you're ready yet. That's what I would do. And it's not like he was he has the body of work. 
two that he can fall back on of being a precise route runner or right, exactly uh, exactly so yeah no yeah I, the, the discussion All right, we did so have we, was about we, we, we got off and we also got off topic about who was defensive player of the game did we decide <laughs> it was jok or did we say it was the, or did we did i talk somebody into to clarence lewis I mean, I'm okay with it being JOK. I thought he had a great game. Um, you know, obviously being right there on the on the pass breakups and the, I think he got he had a not a sack, but a, maybe a tackle for a loss or whatever. Um, obviously involved in one of the one of the fumbles. I thought Bo I mean, Power was a good game, but is I haven't heard word of is Bo Power okay? Oh yeah, he did get hurt. Yeah, he had, uh, I think it was um, JOK fell on the back of his leg on a tackle out of bounds, right? Somebody fell on the back Ugh. of his leg out of bounds. And, uh, yeah, I, uh, I haven't heard, I haven't heard whether or not Bo Bauer is good or not. Um, I like Bo Bauer, and the way the linebacker position is, uh, they can put anybody back there, seemingly. But the special teams, too, I'd like to see see if he's okay. So I, I'm I'm mildly concerned i have not heard any bobauer updates i was actually just quickly searching the web to see if there was a yeah, i looked earlier today and i didn't uh, i didn't see anything about a bobauer update so maybe that's a good thing yeah it's probably not bad yeah. it's not bad that we it's not that bad that we haven't heard is it? I, right I, I don't yeah. i don't yeah right and other than bobauer um and the stat sheets um you know, the defensive stat sheet took a hit in this game, which I, the only thing that frustrated me was that uh, the this, this stats don't look as pretty, um, you know, with Ian Book throwing a pick, uh, otherwise a sparkling day. Um, and if you're going to take risks like that, you're going to throw picks. Um, so I'm OK with that. But giving up 21 points um, kind of stinks. And the two 100 yard rushers after having not given up a 100 yard rusher all year, um, which, you know, get that off there. So then. When Najee Harris goes for a hundo, uh, they don't make a big deal out of it. Uh, and you can just continue <laughs> on beating Alabama. I thought it was funny on the Ian Book interception. I thought I thought Tony Dungy's analysis was completely wrong. <laughs> he said he thought it was a, a, a zero blitz. I was like, I don't think he thought that. Because if you look, the safety rolls to the middle of the field right away. He, he's never even showing that he's guarding somebody. And they and they ran that defense the whole game. I mean, they were they were they were playing man and then rolling the safety from the hash to the middle of the field. Ian had seen it before. I think Ian just thought he was going to get it over the safety. Obviously, yeah. and he he just underthrew it. Which is funny too, because like everyone's like the whole thing with Ian. It's like you got to take chances. It's like well, sometimes that's why you don't want to take chances. Yeah, it's just we. I feel like we've seen that this was kind of this was kind of the Clemson play, right? Redux, which was hit Avery Davis on the on the deep post or whatever, and and it just didn't. He didn't. He didn't get yeah, it enough air. Yeah, anything. he just didn't. Yeah, he just didn't throw it far enough. I mean, I'm I'm kind of happy actually because I don't want like two weeks of Ian Book hasn't thrown an interception for two hundred. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good yeah. not to hear that anymore. Like, get it out of the way against the terrible team. Fair enough. Um, one of the questions I want to ask you guys is more a big picture question. I, there was a lot of talk about Ian Book and his place in, you know, Notre Dame history and stuff. And I don't know. He was just 
um, I think that there was a, a lot of guys with big personalities that I really liked, Malik Zaire, um, Brandon Wimbush, you know, guys that just kind of um, always smiley, kind of a, uh, or always just seem like good dudes. Obviously, Brady Quinn with the, the matinee idol look or whatever. I don't really know that I had any strong feelings about Ian Book for, for a long time. And, and now he's going to uh, leave this university with the most wins ever as an, uh, Notre Dame uh, quarterback and, you know, probably second in a bunch of other categories to, uh, to Brady Quinn. Um, I mean, what in five, 10 years time, like, first of all, where is Ian Book? What is Ian Book doing? And what is your feeling about who, who Ian Book was and, and his legacy at Notre Dame? Brennan, Brennan, let's start with you on this one. Um, I don't know when I, I was kind of like a lot of people when Ian Book came into the game for Wimbush is, uh, you know, in, against uh, Wake Forest when when they tagged him as the starter. Um, I was hoping I guess you rolled it back even to the Music City Bowl. Uh, I was hoping that Wimbush was going to have that kind of moment so we could build on the momentum, because at the time I looked at Ian Book is kind of being an afterthought. And I did look at the star and the star ranking. And I was a little bit miffed at the time where I was like, I, if this team's going to do something, it's got to be, um, you know, you know, four star or five star quarterback. And it was about the Stanford game for me when the performance that he had in the Stanford game sold me on the kid basically for the rest of the career, for his career. Um, and I'm going to look back on his career as being one of those things where I've been on team book exclusively uh, since that Stanford game. Haven't looked back, never, never called for Phil, never had any of that sort of uh, nonsense takes. And I don't know. He has been an absolute delight to watch there. There certainly have been some frustrating portions like the Louisville game, Louisville games, plural. Uh, come to mind the, the pit game, but even the pit game, you know, we had the, the spectacular thing at the end. I look at stuff where he leads the team on a final drive against Virginia tech as being something uh, enduring to me. Um, you know, I just, I love the way the kid plays football. I like the way the kid looks in a football uni too. Uh, he's got a real clean uh, uh, aesthetic with the, the, the high socks, the white socks and the white shoes. Um, he just fills out a, a football Jersey, um, you know, that's aesthetically pleasing. And, you know, I, I, I like the fact that I can't remember and I took heat for it. I maintain that he is a better runner and scrambler than Brandon Wimbush and possibly since any Notre Dame quarterback of my adult life. There's he is a better. I don't think that it is. You can take the, the Boston College game out of it. Ian Book makes plays with his legs and he looks down the field, but all, he just he is a better scrambler and runner than any Notre Dame quarterback of my lifetime. Because it's not just like designed runs for him to take off and go. He he will pull up and throw the football and he is just an absolute joy to watch. And um, he's got three more games to really cement it. Before I toss it over to Greg, tell me where you think Ian Book will be in five years' time, ten years' time. Uh, have you looked at uh, starting quarterbacks in the NFL? Colt McCoy uh, just got a win. <laughs> he did just get a win. <laughs> uh, Texas is back, baby. Um, For my beloved yeah. New York Giants, who are trying, they're trying their best to actually end the season the with a winning record. I don't think it's possible, but uh, they're going to win the division probably. Yeah. Um, 
No, Ian Book's going to be in the NFL. Uh, he'll pro- maybe he's holding a clipboard. Um, Tony Dungy, <laughs> Tony Dungy uh, put the words Joe Montana in his mouth. <laughs> discussing Ian Book. He's like, Joe Montana was a third third round quarterback, and he's small. I mean, he's not. Uh, but I don't know, man. I, I think that he can find himself on an NFL roster. I don't think that Drew Locke is some sort of um, phenom, and he's starting football games and was drafted to do so. Chase Daniel um, gets uh, paid handsomely to never play, right? So. Right. And I, I mean, who's the starter for Taysom Hill is the starter for <laughs> New Orleans Saints. Crazier things have happened, right? Now. Um, yeah, I think in five. I years. mean, I think Denver would have taken Ian Book last week, right? So. Yeah. And his his ability with his legs and to, um, you know, accuracy. And I think he can find a niche in, in a Drew Staten spent uh, Brian Horner. Those two guys spent a, a lifetime in the NFL. I think if Ian Book stays with it. I don't think that he's going to be somebody like uh, Deshaun Kaiser or Brady Quinn that gets to the the NFL and just burns out. I don't think so, I don't think that's in his. So, Greg, I, I absolutely love Ian Book saying we've got a lot to accomplish in the next three games. So I love I love that, you know, that that enthusiasm, that confidence or whatever. But um, same question to you. What was your initial Ian Book impressions? When did those start to kind of evolve and wh- where do you see him maybe in five years time? Um, well, Ian had the, the good fortune of, um, replacing someone that the fans weren't, um, weren't, I guess, happy with, you know, cause he replaced Brandon. And the thing with Brandon is like, he was very exciting and, but like, you couldn't like, are we going to hit this like little out route? Like, I was going to say, um, it was getting weird. Like, uh, it like, was, it getting was, it was weird. just like, you couldn't count on the little things. And, and Ian did all the little things right. And he did everything, all that little stuff against Wake Forest in the first start. And, and Brendan hit it against Stanford. There was one play. I don't know if it was the first drive. I think it was the first drive of the game. Cause you always wonder, right? Like, Oh, it's great against Wake Forest. Their defense was terrible that year. But now we're playing Stanford, who at the time was like sixth or seventh. And and it was like, well, we'll see. And it's like a night game at home, you know. And he hit this deep out to Boykin. It's like a 20-yard out. And he threw it over the linebacker. And I remember seeing that and being like, that's a hell of a throw. It was like, we got something now. And then And then we really had something when Dexter broke the thing. Because when Dexter broke the long run, then it was like, oh, man, we've got a quarterback and we've got our running back. So it was at that point, it was like, are we going to lose a game? You know, because we had the defense already. I think that as 2019 came with Ian, it was it was a lot of wanting him to be something that he wasn't. You know, I I. I've sent you guys so many clips of it's like, why isn't he throwing this pass to this person? Why, why is he missing this? Like you shouldn't be missing that. Like you, this is where your read should be. Why aren't you throwing it there? And I think that with, with Ian, when he is confused, he's, he's just a, a scuttler. Like he's just scuffling and you can see it when he, he doesn't feel comfortable. And then when he gets comfortable, he's, very good. And that's what he's been. And I think with Ian, 
I tried to stop caring um, about like the film stuff and why isn't he hitting this route after the Virginia Tech game? Because, man, <laughs> how many quarterbacks have we had just in the Kelly era who after the Michigan game, during the Michigan game, would have just gone in the tank? They would have been lost. I mean, uh, like Golson. That list starts with Ever, Ever Golson, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Golson, we lost him. He just – he. He was so good against Florida State, and to think that that guy later in the year had to get pulled because he was just out of it. He was gone, and we we couldn't get him back. Arizona State, State comes to mind. Yeah, yeah, and the same thing happened with um, Zaire. You know, we lost him. The same thing happened with Kaiser to an extent, um, and it happened with Brandon too, where you just you'd lose him. And you know, like, man, we're not getting this guy back. And with Ian, he he a loss like that, I, it's one of the more honestly, it's one of the more humiliating losses. I mean, it's that in the Miami game, and and Ian was a part of both of those. And to become what he became when he was, you know, he threw the pick six in 2017 against Miami. The next time he steps on the field, it's to come back to beat LSU in the bowl game. And and then he he loses to Michigan the way he did. The next time he comes back on the field, he has a uh, an 80 yard, you know, however long it was, 85 yard drive to beat Virginia Tech and to save not just that season, but really his career. Because if he doesn't do that, I, I'll bet you they turn to Phil. If if they fall that game, they lose two in a row. I'll bet you they go to Phil after that. But he didn't. He he made the plays. He he hit the, the the fourth down throw to Chase, and then he runs it in, and he saved his career. And after that, I was like, you know what? And honestly, like everyone was so mad about shushing the crowd. It's like it's so stupid. Like you idiots. Like all you do is fucking <laughs> shit on him. That's all you do. Like, have you ever not, met anyone personally who was mad at him for shushing the crowd? Have I met anyone? I can't meet anyone that actually wants. I know to. that I listened to a, a, a podcast where somebody talked about it nonstop for six months. But oh man, and 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 it's just like they they it it's like oh I didn't like that he did that. It's like well, and you can't let social media get to you. It's like oh I'm sorry, you're you're 21 years old. And by the way, the people who said you can't let get social media get to you, like they let social media get to them. And they're and they're. And and they're grown grown professionals. So it's like, yeah, (laughs) maybe Ian Book can uh, read social media and Twitter and stuff. And by the way, he used it to fuel him to win the game. Um, But anyway, after that, and they didn't lose again. And they they haven't lost. lost. They haven't lost, Brendan, since that moment. And so, I, I, you know, at that point, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to lay off the kid because he did the thing. And then he continued to do the thing to no one's credit and people wanted him gone. And he kept, he kept playing, he kept playing, he kept playing. And, and it's a real tragedy. I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to say tragedy because that's a stupid term. I shouldn't have said that. It's a shame that, that he didn't get a full stadium on Saturday because that ovation would have been ruckus. Yeah. Because I, what I've been thinking about is 
whatever happens, you know, because you said he's got three games to go. He has big dreams. Whatever happens, I, I, have, I was made to feel this year against Clemson a way I have not felt that way <laughs> watching Notre Dame play football in my lifetime. And if you think about it, 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 that has never happened. They have never been in that game. I mean, I guess since I was 12, right? And, I, you know, to be honest, I don't think 12-year-old Greg really appreciated <laughs> the Florida State victory the way that I appreciate it. Like, it's so the following 27 then, years. Uh, ever since then, every big game that they've been in, it's been sadness. Every single time. And this time, it was the opposite, and it felt great. And Ian Book gave me that. So, you know, where does he rank? I mean, I don't know. For me, he's the the one. Because he made me feel like that. And no one else did. No, name a Notre Dame quarterback who's led their team down the field against the number one ranked team with two minutes to go in your lifetime. It's, 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 <laughs> and, and, <laughs> and and then won the game, and then and later won, won the, game. the game in in I overtime. Just, you yeah. know, and it's not. It has nothing to do with. It's no knock on Brady Quinn, and it's no knock on Jimmy Clausen or anybody else. It's just Ian has that place. He has that place. He and, did it. And I think, by the way, I'm, maybe this doesn't need to be said, but Brady Quinn has been nothing but gracious in terms of his, you know, I think he congratulated him on the halftime show, the the Fox game. And um, he's taken to social media to to kind of reemphasize those comments. Like, I don't think there's any part of Brady Quinn that's upset about Ian Book breaking anything of, of his. I think Brady Quinn is just just like us. He's, you know, he's a Notre Dame fan and he likes as to you see would, Notre Dame good. As well. you would expect. Yeah. So uh, you didn't answer my last question, which is oh, Ian Book five in five years. years. In five years, he will be um, playing football somewhere. Okay. Ian Book, I don't, I don't know where. You, I mean, you, left it, you left it wide open for CFL and uh, <laughs> XFL back, you baby. I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If he is, uh, first of all, if he's free, I will, I will come out of retirement and he can play flag with me in Southern <laughs> California. But now I'll, he'll be playing professional football. So how far away is where Ian lives to where you live? Very. Oh, okay. He's so, Northern. I mean, California. this is this. Yeah. I was going to say, this is, this is a, a dumb New Yorker question. It, which it is might like, as well be a different state. Yeah. Where people are um, like, Oh, so you get to New York city all the time. I'm like, dude, that yeah. New York city is like two States away. Like yeah, I don't get yeah. to New York city. Um, in 10 years, he will be um, the offensive coordinator at Notre Dame for Tommy Reese. Wow. <laughs> wow. Um, he will have, I so, guess, Tommy Reese will have, I guess, well, okay, 10 years from now, Tommy Reese is 28, so he'll be 38 or 29, maybe he is. Whatever it is, it'll probably be Reese's second national title. Yeah, I think defense. it's second one. That sounds about yeah, right. Yeah, that's what he'll be doing <laughs> in 10 years. <laughs> oh, Greg, way to play into the bit. Um, that's right. You know, you know, Ian's brother is a cop. Ian's dad is a 
paramedic. Let's see. Who's the EMT? Is his mother the EMT? Like, I just feel like they all have high pressure jobs. Right. And so he's going to, I feel like he's got to, he's got to be a stunt man or, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe something, uh, I don't know. Maybe he's, uh, maybe he's like a TV star or something like that. Maybe he's got some sort of like a, like a cop, he plays a cop on television or something. So he could be um, the uh, quarterback of the New York Giants. <laughs> he, he absolutely could be the quarterback of the New York. I Giants. think I think all those people in those high pressure jobs will be like, "Hey, Ian, they're gonna pay you <laughs> six figures to call football plays. To maybe literally signal and plays. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you should do that. Maybe you should feel pressure in a booth." <laughs> I mean, we, we've talked about this on and off. And again, we've got games to play. And so maybe this is an unfair question. But since, Greg, you're, you're on with us so infrequently, I'll ask you, like, projecting forward to the NFL draft. And I know this is difficult, but like where what does what do you think Ian Book? What is what exactly is attractive about Ian Book to NFL teams besides the fact the obvious fact that he's a winner? Um, well, it's it's so winner, right? That's kind of he's a quote unquote winner. What does that mean? I think to me, it's not that he's a winner. It's that he's like I wrote, he's a fighter. Right. So he will, he will do the thing. It's funny. Like, uh, Javon McKinley's, uh, mom, she posted a, a picture. Yeah. And, um, and five it was, stars uh, in that picture, by the way, uh, Javon McKinley's mom blocked me on Twitter. So I didn't no. see the picture. Yeah. Dude, how dare you? No, she posted a, a picture on Twitter. It was um, John Shannon, uh, Chase Claypool, McKinley's in the middle, Julian Love, and Ian Book. And it's the day <laughs> that McKinley moved into his dorm. To oh, be wow. roommates with Ian. Yeah. Oh. And, uh, and, and she said after underneath, it's like, Ian, like, that day they moved in and, like, everyone else was doing their thing and Ian was, like, in the playbook. <laughs> wow. And and he's this is a, you know, three three star freshman at the time, you know, what is he sitting behind uh he's sitting behind Kaiser and he's sitting mm-hmm. behind um Wimbush. Wim, Wimbush. Yeah. And it's like he's in the playbook. And so that to me is like that's winner. It's like he's already getting in it. So it's like he's the guy who's going to who's going to just work at it. And we know he's accurate. He's got a pretty good arm. Mm-hmm. You know, we know he's mobile. And, you know, he's been – the thing about Brian Kelly, they run NFL concepts. So um, – and Reese was, you know, with the Chargers or whatever. So he, he, can, he can digest that stuff. So I think the mobility and the accuracy is what for Ian is what people are looking for. So let, let me start you off here. Zero to 100 – 100 being 100% certain he gets drafted. Zero is no chance at all he gets drafted. Where, where is your, where's your head at right now? I mean, assuming we don't, he gets through injury free here. Drafted period? Drafted at all in any round. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, let's say, I mean, it kind of depends on a few things, but. Yeah, it depends on the combine. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it depends on the next three games too. Sure. Um. I would say at the at eighty um, percent sure he gets drafted. Okay, Brandon, where are you at? Oh, there's a hundred percent chance he's going to get drafted. 
Um, Jake Fromm didn't get drafted. <laughs> a lot of people didn't get drafted. A lot of people so. didn't get drafted. Um, but I think if this season has proven anything, um, is that you need to draft a quarterback every single year because you don't know when Kendall Hinton is going to be your starting quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> Right. When uh, gonna gonna you know the the reason Kendall Hinton is is started a football game is because Brett Rippon wasn't ready to go. Yikes. Yeah. So, um. What do you think? Side conversation. What do you? Uh, maybe Brandon will start with you on this one. What do you think about the JOK in the first round talk? Crazy or uh, crazy like Fox? I mean, it, I think a lot of hit, him specific, m- maybe more so than book. Cause I think book will get drafted, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh round at some point he'll end up getting drafted. Um, with JOK, I think he has some things probably in big games where everybody knows about two Notre Dame defensive players. They know the words Kyle Hamilton and they know Jeremiah Wusu Kormo. You can't, the very few times that analysts talk about Notre Dame's players, which they usually don't, um, those are the the only two defenders they ever mentioned. So he's on people's lips, and draft experts like him. They do the Isaiah Simmons comparison. Um, that's fine. He had a very good game against Clemson. Um, he's had good games uh, when it's mattered. Uh, Georgia last year was really a big coming out party, right? Um, he needs to, in this ACC title game and in the playoff, if he comes in and balls out i think he can go in the first round right freaky twitch line linebacker is probably if you look at nfl drafts linebacker is one of linebacker and safety are the two hardest positions for nfl teams to find answers for and specifically in the first round you don't see a lot of them um go in the first round but when you do they're hyper coveted whether it's you know devin bush or patrick queen um, you know, those kind of guys at the Isaiah Simmons, those linebackers, those really fast linebackers who can get sideline to sideline, they are a commodity in the NFL. So if he can have two, if he can have three good games, um, but at least two of the three games Notre Dame plays, if he can show up at a, at a high level, I don't see why he couldn't. Uh, Greg, happy to ask you the same question, but I'm also curious what your plan for the next two weeks without Notre Dame football is going to be. Oh, well, just shy of two weeks here. What what are, you know? What are you interested in and in watching? Um, are you going to be watching? You think less college football because Notre Dame isn't on? Um, are there games that interest you? What's what's kind of the game plan for the next two weeks? Am I answering the JOK thing? Yeah, go for it. Please. Oh, okay. Um, I, I need to know what his 40 time is going to be, honestly. Yeah. I think, I think if he's a 4-5 guy, then he'll go in the first round. I think if he's – I mean, obviously anything faster than that, he's going in the first round. I think if he's a, <laughs> I think if he's a 4-6 guy, then he could fall. Because he's not super big. So, like, where are you, you going to play him? Well, you know, I, mean, I mean, Isaiah Simmons, Patrick Queen. That's why I said those Devin Bush. None of those guys were. I mean, Simmons was a freak. He was a four three nine, but Patrick Queen was a four five. He was a he was a four five. On, right. Uh, so. No, totally. Like, it, yeah. So, like, if he's four five, then yeah, for sure. I mean, Devin Bush is like a freaking. He that guy. He he was a freight train. I mean, he 
he hit people like like JOK hits people, but but um Devin Bush was whacking people. Like I remember again when they played uh I, I didn't watch a lot of Michigan because why would I do that? <laughs> but when they played in twenty eighteen, he he hit a Jafar a couple of times where it was like, Man, that is a whoop. And so, you know, I he's he was a great player. I think for JOK, it's kinda like, look, he's a four six guy. So can we really use him on the edge like his size kind of indicates? I mean, by all accounts, like just watching him play, he's super athlete. I mean, he's really good in the slot. He's really good. I mean, he, he's got as many pass breakups as Kyle. He it Actually, he's playing to the point where it's like I, when I think about next year, uh, like who's going to be Rover? I wonder if they want to put Kyle there, to be honest. Um, but that's a conversation for another time. Uh, (laughs) Just something that I think about. Um, I always think about what they're going to do with Kyle. So, um, but yeah, just interject here. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa's 40 time in high school was four, six, two, allegedly. So obviously it could could be four or five at this point. I was going to say, um, Greg, Greg's always educating me about how, how how far can you get with a with a four six guy? You can't always be a you can't always be a four three eight guy, right? And yeah. So, yeah. But Jude, what's his pro crazy. day forty time? Yeah, well, his pro day forty <laughs> time will be four two two, but <laughs> right. uh, yeah, he'll have only well, run that... fifty five yards or uh, thirty five yards. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I think if his forty times fast enough, he'll be in the first round because yeah. he's super talented. Um, as far as the weekend. Yeah. Um, I'll be so um the uh on Saturday the baby it's her second birthday. Okay. Um I, I don't know if that means anything. It's not like we can do anything. It's not like there's a party. <laughs> and we're not gonna have we're not gonna have cars coming by honking their horns for a two year old. She doesn't know. So we appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna do that. So I don't know. I, I, I mean, but is there like is your wife's expectation that the TV stay off for the for the for the day because it's her birthday? Like, if you got that going on or no, 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 no. Okay. Here's right. the thing. She she doesn't even know that Notre Dame's not playing. <laughs> I think she just assumes that they are, and I okay. just won't. I just won't break it to her. Um, won't correct. So, her. No, I mean there will be games on. It's like it's always a little bit less. Um, I don't even know who's playing. I guess Miami and uh, North Carolina are playing. I'll probably tune in for that just for the fun of it. Um, Is there any part of you that wants to see an Ohio State, Michigan bloodletting? Just for short and fried reasons. There's a huge part of me that wants (laughs) to see that. People, so I did my my Harbaugh tweet. and um, Oh, yeah. You went viral. I did. It was weird. I didn't like it actually. <laughs> I mean, I like it was, it was cool, but then it was like all these people are in my in my feed and my mentions, like yelling at me. All these Michigan people, and it's like I don't. For the people that missed it, that were listening to the podcast, what what was your tweet? It was so it was the day that um, the ACC announced. It's like a nothing tweet. Yeah, it's like a yeah. day the the ACC announced that um, due to tiebreakers, they they well they they canceled the last two games, so Notre right. Dame clinched. Then Notre Dame clinched uh, the ACC championship game. And so I tweeted out, Brian Kelly made a championship game before Jim Harbaugh. From outside of Supercuts, if I recall correctly? No, I was sitting inside a Jiffy Lube. 
Uh, Jiffy Lube. Jiffy yeah, Lube. I was okay. getting the yeah. oil. I was getting the old oil changed, and uh, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's funny. So then I tweeted it, and it just, you know, it kind of blew up. Who was the first kind of big name to to, to retweet it or make a comment about? Well, so here's because I thing. saw Connolly did it. Bill Connolly. Connolly right? did it, but yeah. like the thing about when it goes viral like that is it happens. Everything's happening like really quickly. Right. So you don't see, like you don't see who's retweeting anything. You don't see yeah. who's like liking it or any of that stuff. Cause it's just, it's just happening so fast. Yeah. I mean, I ended up with like 5,000 retweets. Wow. Oh no. 5,000 likes or something. And a thousand retweets or whatever it was. I don't know. And so it was like pissed off Michigan bros in your mention. So they, so yeah. So then it's like, and I try to, and I told them like, listen, they're like, why are you, why do you care about Michigan? It's like, I don't, but like, <laughs> it's like, I don't care about Michigan, but like, you just thought all, of a funny thing and you tweeted all it, my right? followers are Notre Dame fans and we yeah. like to laugh at Michigan. Like, I was going to say, does it? You're playing to the crowd on that one. Yeah, so I was like, I, I tweet things for the benefit of my followers. We're all going to get a chuckle out of it. I didn't know that fucking 5,000 people were going <laughs> to, you know, that there was going to be all these retweets and stuff. Like, I did not know that. And if I had known that, I probably wouldn't have done it. <laughs> so whatever. But um, so, yeah. So but anyway, I like to make fun of Michigan. So, you know, sue me. Uh, so I will definitely watch that. Brendan, uh, obviously we, we can't predict, uh, if coastal Carolina will match up with somebody else, uh, and with three days notice or anything else, like go out like that. But of the games that are currently scheduled, what do you, what, what do you kind of sort of have your eye on before Notre Dame plays again? I mean, obviously it's, uh, Cincinnati Tulsa. Uh, I'm going to show down to see if, uh, Cincinnati can, can close can the dang get... thing out in the, the AAC. And yeah. They've had a couple of COVID issues, right? Uh, Tulsa has. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, Miami, North Carolina, I guess. I don't really care. Those are some has-been ACC programs that are playing for scraps. Um, yeah, there's there's really not a lot this weekend, um, mostly because the ACC wrapped up. And it's just um, – and most of the SEC has too. Um, there's, there's some straggler games like uh, Florida and LSU, um, TAMU and Ole Miss are playing, but – yeah, I don't. I don't have a, a whole lot. Um, I don't care about UC, USC, UCLA at all. Um, though it would be kind of funny if UCLA won. Um, but yeah, this weekend uh, seems. I don't know how much. I, I mean, it's going to be on my TV. There is not an appointment television game for me this weekend. It'll be on my TV the entire weekend. Sure. Um, but I guess maybe I watch Texas A&M on uh on the uh, night to see if if uh, lane kiffin manages to to get his signature win uh at old miss and then just kind of clear up some of the the nonsense of whether or not a one loss notre dame team uh gets in if if that is the case because that's really all that really matters at this point is you you kind of watch the the rest of the scores so if it texas a&m loses that's great um if a Florida loses to LSU, which I don't think is possible because LSU is barely fooling a roster, that's great too. <laughs> uh, I remember us having and hawing about the whole Indiana Wisconsin thing uh, last week, and I was kind of surprised. To, I guess I wasn't too surprised, but I, I guess I was surprised at the the final score being fourteen to six. So, um, but I was 
wasn't. I think Brendan, you and I were on the same wavelength on that one, if I recall correctly, right? Or was it me and Josh on the same wavelength? For which one? For Indiana and Wisconsin, about how basically we didn't know Wisconsin and they were a huge variable. Oh, you went against the grain on that one, right? You said, yeah, I agree with you on that, but you still went with Wisconsin, if I recall correctly. Yeah, I ended up going with, uh, with Wisconsin. You took a commanding. Uh, Josh, I think, also did too. He went over. He, his picks. Um, have gone completely in the tanks now, <laughs> decidedly in last place. Uh, he went one and four. Um, Josh is just, uh, he's just falling off a cliff here. And I bet against Matt Campbell and it bit me in the butt. So I'm glad I did not publicize that on the, uh, the twitter.com. Less I hear from the, from the, uh, the Campbellites, the fighting yeah. Campbellites, the, the so. fighting, uh, the fighting Matt, uh, fighting Matt Campbell's uh, future head coach of university of Michigan. I saw a headline. I didn't actually click through that about a Harbaugh would be an attractive uh, for NFL teams or whatever. And I was like, what? <laughs> what NFL? I mean, way to give Michigan a huge bailout if that were to happen, right? Because Michigan's looking to get itself out of this situation gracefully. And if Harbaugh were to leave for an NFL team, I mean, that's just that's that would be huge for them. There's an opening just down the road in Allen Park. He could become the uh, Detroit Lions uh, head coach. Um, and uh that would go. That would go great. Um, I'm, then, then it's a win-win for him. He doesn't need to move his kids out. Uh, he can go to. He can do the Matt Campbell route of going to a program with zero expectations. <laughs> wow. Well. All right, gentlemen. Before we uh, ended tonight, is there anything else that's uh, worth mentioning? Obviously, follow Greg on Twitter, Greg twenty one twenty six. Brendan on Twitter, very piratey. If you want to watch, look at some excellent uh, photoshops. Brendan, what's the what's the Photoshop that you've done recently? You've been pretty proud of. Oh, I like the absolute beatdown. Uh, putting the vodka with the, the squeezed orange. I I enjoyed that very much. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, it was a. Pat did all the hard work because uh, he wrote the dang thing. <laughs> but uh, I supplied a, a solid three uh, fantastic shops for uh, Pat uh, on the site. On the mascot uh, fight. Mascot fight. Yep. Um, yeah, I just I love photoshopping that Clemson uh, mascot. It is it's an absolute joy because it's so easy to put them on oranges. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, Greg, anything for the good for the good of the order? You got anything uh, worth sharing with our our listeners besides Hamilton all your Cuomo personal stuff? Cuomo has more interceptions than Kyle Hamilton in the regular season. <laughs> what did he say, Jude? Wow, I I, I was um, so does Jack yeah, Kaiser. It it's, it's, more, it's more it's more it's more it's more Kyle, wow. Kyle Hamilton slander. You don't want to hear it. So much slander. You know what? I reject. <laughs> I, re- I reject three linebackers uh, and a defensive lineman you know what you know what i was gonna do dude i was gonna i was gonna co- commend uh brandon on his uh, photoshops as well and i'm going to pass <laughs> i'm going to pass on that for another time don't talk about kyle like that he's, he's, a, he's a beautiful boy who deserves all the accolades that he gets all right brandon anything else uh no, I'll call my shot now. Uh, I've slandered Kyle so much, um, mostly tongue in cheek, uh, that he just like with Greg being excited about Ian Book uh, throwing that pick just so it wasn't something that followed him in. Uh, opposing quarterbacks that Notre Dame is going to play this season should have concern that uh, Kyle Hamilton does not have an interception yet this season because uh, that's that's not going to end 2020 like that. Are you saying that he's due? 
I'm saying that's <laughs> probably a good possibility uh, that a ball I'm hawk saying can save. He he probably saved them is what he probably did. <laughs> it's it's a ten game ten game sandbag is what it was. God, <laughs> what a consummate team player. Trevor Lawrence is where we like ended in up. August practice against Phil Dracovic. Uh, that's right. That's right. That's awesome. Uh, gentlemen, I just want to let you know that um, just an update to the last last time that we talked um, on the podcast here. Zach Plants' November campaign is up to $131,042. Um, if you feel so inclined, November is over, but the fundraising is probably still uh, still ongoing. So if you want to donate in, in Zach's memory, certainly head, head over to his November page. Um, also coming up, the Rakes of Mallow annual Christmas giving for the South Bend Center for the Homeless is supposed to be revealed this week sometime. I don't have an exact date on that, but uh, apparently our good friend Bridget from the Twitters is working on shirt designs. So if you are looking for some charitable giving for the Christmas season, uh, we will have no lack of opportunity for you, whether it be uh, through Chris Wilson's uh, Rakes of Mallow campaign or uh, something else that you feel strongly about. So uh, just you know, keep your eyes open for that, and I'm sure we'll be, we'll be publicizing that. So without further ado, uh, look forward to you on Wednesday or possibly Thursday uh, in your earbuds. But until then, for Greg and for Brennan, have a good night. <laughs>